Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey you guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week we are covering getting prepared for winter on the homestead and beyond. This week's episode of the Pantry Chat is brought to you by BCS Two Wheel Tractors. Now, you may have already heard of the legendary versatility of BCS two-wheel tractor for small farms and homesteads. We love ours here on Riverbend. It's the most efficient and time-saving choice for a small acreage. Building raised beds with a rotary plow attachment, mixing in soil amendments with the power harrow, and shredding cover crops in place with the flail mower. But a BCS two-wheel tractor is more than just a gardening tool. BCS powers more than 40 high-quality PTO-driven attachments, each with the power and performance of an all-gear drive transmission. Blow snow with the BCS's snow thrower. Chip and shred limbs and sticks with a chipper shredder. Clean up your property with a pressure washer. Haul up to 1,100 pounds, including yourself, with the ride-on utility tractor. And even spread compost over 30-inch beds with the spreader attachment. Yep. BCS is pretty much the Swiss army knife of power equipment for your homestead. Check out bcsamerica.com to see the full range of tractors and attachments and find your nearest BCS dealer today. That's bcsamerica.com. So this is really applicable to us this week. Absolutely. This month. Yeah. (laughs) This year, I don't know. We have hard winters up here in the far north of Idaho, if you haven't been following us for very long. And um, so we definitely get snow. So some of what we're talking about will be kind of specific to cold weather places, but there's things we're going to be talking about that everybody should be taking stock of. Right. There's general preparedness activities to be doing, but this definitely has the angle towards thinking about winter, heavy winter, the things we've got to deal with, the lack of movement sometimes, the um, possibility and probability of um, extended power outages, and even for us, road outages is we're back 11 miles from the highway, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of trees, a lot of different things that can happen. Yes, So absolutely. But first, before we get to that, um, what have you been up to? So I've been making a lot of cheese, and this is an interesting thing that happens this time of year because as the season changes, the milk changes when it's coming from a milk cow. So the season's changing, the feed is changing, all sorts of different things are changing. It's getting colder. It's getting colder. That affects the cow, Mm -hmm. and she's getting switched over to more dry feed. More dry feed. And so all of a sudden, I am getting less cream in my milk. Mm -hmm. So 
What does that have to do with cheese? It has to do with the fact that when I skim the milk, less milk, less is coming out as cream that's going to be made into butter. And so I end up with more milk in the refrigerator. And when you're already getting about five gallons a day, that actually adds up really quickly to meaning you have to make cheese more often every week to keep up yeah. with the milk. So I've been really making a lot of cheddar cheese lately. So that, that is, You've been doing more gonna, than that. I mean, you're, you're getting I, Oh, I, I am doing more than that. Yeah. <laughs> more than cheddar <laughs> cheese, yes. Yeah, so we just have the, the constant trickle of the food preserving mm -hmm. from the harvest. There's always something left. There's things that got put in the freezer that now need to come out and get turned into a preserve that sits on the shelf instead. Still ripening up some of those tomatoes. Is... Oh, tomatoes are coming on, but that's another thing is that you then have your food stores and your vegetables and different things that are in common storage or in root cellar crops, or yeah. anything like that. And now they need to be managed. So you don't just sit them in, set them into the root cellar and then forget about them until you want to have dinner. You do need to regularly be going through your stores, checking the state of them, making sure things are in good condition. Otherwise, knowing before they go bad that you need to get them and either eat them or preserve them in a different way. So the, the whole activity starts shifting once the, the food is all harvested and in the house to managing that preserved food. Yeah. And so it's a whole kind of different set of activities. But it is. Keeps you busy. <laughs> I'm going to answer a question right now because okay. you brought up the root cellar. So people are going to ask us about our root Do cellar. Do you have a root cellar? Do you cellar? have a root cellar? We want to see it. So we actually don't have a root cellar. And we want to encourage you that you can still put up your roots. We don't have a technical root cellar. We have a place for them that's quite cool. We still kind of treat it like a root cellar. Um, it won't hold as long. The temperature's not as cool yes. as a technical root cellar. That's on our list to build and get in mm -hmm. to this property in the next couple of years. Um, so with that, we don't have a picture of one for you. But we want to also encourage you that you can put up your root crops without a root cellar. They're not going to store as long. Yeah. without the right conditions. But there are all kinds of spaces from the basement to under the house mm -hmm. to things you can build with straw bales to make an impromptu kind of annual root cellar. There, there's a lot of different things you can do. So don't don't let the fact that you don't have a root cellar ever stop you from growing root crops right. and putting up what you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good. Cool. So that's what I've been doing. What have you been doing? Getting ready for winter. Um, getting the firewood in. Yes. Getting the garden prepped and put to bed for winter. Uh, video out last week on that. If you guys haven't seen that, we'll uh, put a link to it at that the end. That is so good. That just makes, not only does it make winter better for the garden because you get better health in your soil from having mm -hmm. that done, but it makes spring so much easier. Absolutely. It's get all the better. stuff out now, mm -hmm. condition your soil, mm -hmm. give it a good blanket of mulch, protect all the little beasties in the soil. <laughs> your buddies. <laughs> all my buddies. You, you, yep. Th those guys are working for you. And so when you uh, take care of your garden in the winter and get it all prepped and, and feed them and mulch them, they are going to work for you in the spring before you're ever even thinking about being in the garden. Right. Yeah. And so really, really important. And, uh, yeah, so putting the garden up, getting firewood in, uh, getting hay in, mm -hmm. and bedding for the barn, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of, you know, checking over the property and just... Getting... Sounds like things we're just about to talk about. Somewhere. It is, yeah. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs>
Okay, so question of the day. All right, on to a question. That's right, by Amanda W. from Preserving Day, a three-minute tour. That was oh, a quick okay. little tour on Preserving Day that I filmed <laughs> right. while you, you guys were kitchen, going we were out. Working. It. Right. Yep. And Amanda W. asks, I have to ask, though, Carolyn, how do you keep your patience when your brain <laughs> is trying to follow ten different things at once? Ah, yeah, that's a really good question. In fact, you know... Um, people ask me this question a lot when I sit down with them in person. Like when I end up talking to people in person, this is like the number one question that I get about doing so many different things and keeping track of it and keeping patience, actually. And, you know, I really liken this to... She's just amazing. <laughs> you just answer. have to be a superhero. That's all. <laughs> no, you are. No. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you have your first child, you get one child Hope most of the time. And you feel super stressed out with one child and you just can't manage to get anything done. And then a while later, you kind of start to feel comfortable and you end up with two children. And if you're like us, you end up with three children and then four children and more and more. And each level you go, this is crazy. I can't do this. But then you adjust to it and you get to know how to do it, what you can do, what you can't do and things like that. Learning skills in the kitchen is the exact same way. You don't start with 10. Please don't start with 10. <laughs> You'll never do any of them again. You'll be so frustrated. You start with one and you get so good at the first one that you start going, uh, you know what? I have this little gap of time here. I can go ahead and do this thing because I'm not really thinking about the first mm. project. And before long, you're incorporating children into that. If, you know, we really encourage people and for ourselves, we've been really intentional about just bringing the children in right from day one, doing less, but bringing the kids in. Well, before long, the kids know what's going on and they're actually adding positiveness to it, not just mess. <laughs> and so, um, yes, your patience grows, but more than that, as your skill grows, you don't need to think as hard about each thing that you're managing because it's, you know, just kind of goes on automatic and you learn it. And that's a great, um, segue or a thought about how we often encourage people just in homesteading in general, not to dive in too deep at once, build right. yeah. a couple skills at a time, yeah. work on things in one area, start to get that down. Sometimes people are gung-ho a lot of, to do this lifestyle, a lot of us that are living this lifestyle, we're doers, we're go-getters. Yeah. Uh, we're willing to work hard and make it happen and do everything. Yeah. <laughs> but things crash sometimes when you try to do too much. Yeah. So it's just a great, that was a really great explanation of just right. really the way to approach the whole life yeah. is, is build over time. Mm -hmm. Don't think you're just going to throw a lot of money at it or Absolutely. just, you know, going to work 20 hours a day and make it all happen. If you have any questions about this, go talk to somebody who had twins first. <laughs> that was not us, thankfully. Okay. But adding too many skills at once causes is really hard. It's just really hard. Yep. So, sure yeah. is. Good. All right. So getting on to today's topic. Yes. On getting prepared for winter. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a good topic, even if you're in those warmer weathers where you're not going to be blanketed by a bit of snow, because it gives you a moment to really take an assessment of just where you're at, where well, your property's at, where you're at, what's going on. And most places are going to experience some kind of winter mm -hmm. and some kind of season change, and there needs to be preparation to one level or another mm -hmm. besides right. just generally being prepared. Right, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So let's dive in. Okay, okay. jump right in. Yeah, so we, we just kind of have an order of topics and that just goes along with basic preparedness no matter mm-hmm. whether, where you're at. And the first thing is shelter, taking yeah. care of your shelter. Now, obviously, we're not in a sur- wild survival situation trying to find shelter, but we do need to take care of the shelter we have. Yeah. And there's things inside and outside that we need to be doing. Yeah, this going into this change of seasons and colder weather is a really good time to be um, taking real strong note, maybe fixing maintenance items mm-hmm. that need to be dealt with, especially that deal with um, weather, right? Protecting you from weather, protecting your structures from weather. Right. So we want to be checking our roofs. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to be checking the exterior of the house. Right. Are there any door window problems that we've had? Hopefully we don't have any leaks and we're fixing that. We're preventing that. Mm-hmm. The gutters are clean and working. Yeah. Um, uh, the chimney is swept. Mm-hmm. Um, also if you're dealing with snow, how are you going to move that snow? Do you need de-icer? Do you, is your, um, snow plow, snow uh, blower. blower is what I was trying to find. <laughs> I was getting stuck on words. Snow blower working. Do you have your hand tools, shovels? Um, I'm, I'm just thinking of the immediate area around the house. Right. Uh, those are things that you would be thinking of for mm-hmm. the exterior. Uh, any kind of hazards that might come from heavy snow, heavy rain, but what about wind? We don't have a lot of wind here, but we did we live don't. in an area mm-hmm. at one time that was very, very windy. And there were a lot of things we had to chain down to the ground or take down or remove and <laughs> put away yeah. because of the wind. So everybody's situation is going to be different, but you want to be thinking uh, about those pieces mm-hmm. along with the barn and your animals and their shelter. Right. If you have animals, you want to make sure, especially if you're going to go into a cold winter, that you have dry mm-hmm. and um, hopefully wind-free or some wind protection right. for them at least. And that's more important than an enclosed, fully enclosed structure. That's nice if you yes. can have that. We have wintered all kinds of animals, you know, out with without a formal structure, but mm-hmm. having windbreaks, trees, um, you know, they need something. They need yeah. something for cover and preferably a roof and a couple sides that mm-hmm. protect from the wind yeah. and rain and snow and mud is another one. Yeah, that's you know, a bad one. That's a bad one. That can be real bad on, yeah. on their hoofs. Yeah. Um, so let's see. That's that's covering some of our just general shelter, making sure your general shelter is working, functioning, and you're not hopefully having to make emergency repairs in the middle of a storm or in the middle of winter, um, unless you have something unforeseen like a tree blow down or yeah. lightning or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any others that you think of in your, your you know, I think area shelter, when it comes that's to the shelter? Good, except for maybe heat. Making right. sure and, that we have heat and we covered. And we do cover that. Oh, we talk yeah. about that later. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think that's pretty good on the shelter, just making sure you, you know, the the less that you can be out crawling under the muddy part of the house in a freezing storm, the better. So for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. And the thing is with winter and with weather, unknowns can happen and yeah. will happen. And so um, I have to tell my boys all the time just about doing work and different jobs that we want to do them in a certain order in a certain way and always be ahead a little bit on things because somewhere we're going to get tripped up somewhere something's going to happen mm-hmm. schedule goes bad somebody gets hurt in the case of this kind of preparedness a tree gets blown down right. um something a water line breaks there's mm-hmm. things that are unforeseen so the more steps we take now mm-hmm. the less those kinds of things happen and the better prepared we are when they do happen 
So another element that just for me is is almost second nature is just uh, knowing where our tools are. Yeah. And the tools right. to fix things like a roof or a chimney. Yeah. Uh, or different structures, having those at hand, easy to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Water. Water takes on a whole different element when it comes to winter because for us, it's not water, it's ice. Freezes. (laughs) It freezes really hard. But for some people, their biggest concern about water in the wintertime is the loss of power. Mm -hmm. And if you have a well with a pump, you need to make sure you can get water out of that well, even when you don't have power. Yeah, so you need a way to continue to pump. You need yeah. a backup generator. You may need a switch that helps you switch that pump house mm-hmm. from the power grid uh, to your generator. Right. Uh, also good to have um, backup stores mm-hmm. of water. Yeah. Um, we're fortunate to be in a situation that we have gravity flow, and we can actually circumvent our pump system if we mm-hmm. have to and at least get a gravity flow. So if you're designing a system past just bottled storage and backup power, if you are designing a system like a well, um, it's great to have water storage up high Mm -hmm. that you can pull from uh, via gravity. That's Mm -hmm. another great way as a backup. And you can also collect roof rainwater. We we don't have to do that here, Mm -hmm. but that is another excellent tool for having running water in the case of breakage or freezes. Well, and the place that we lived at before, we didn't get water if the power went out. So even though we were on a piece of property that had a ton of water on it, our backup water in that case was to go and bring in buckets of water. From the pond. From the pond. Or, or which snow. We to break snow into. Snow or takes snow. a lot of, to melt down, so it, it's not a great backup plan. Believe me, it's, if you're in that situation, you are going to be really thankful that you have some backup stored water. And you can can your own water. This is something that most people don't think about. If you're running your mm-hmm. canner and you have some empty spaces in it where you aren't filling it filled with jars, can some water. It just helps you get enough to, you know... Get through a short power outage without having to go melt snow. <laughs> yeah, or even help you get onto the. That's going to work for a couple people. Yeah. If, if you've got a larger situation, you need more volume. Right. And so you need. It's not the long term. Right. Situation. Right. That, that's yeah. a good step one. Mm-hmm. Keeps you in some ready to go water, especially for drinking that's clean. Yeah. In case you have to start pulling water from the pond and boiling it or filtering it. Right. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. So have backup plans for access to water. Whether you are in an urban environment. Um, with municipal water, then you've got several things, you know, one way you need to handle that. But even if you're on a homestead like we are with a lot of water, we have plenty of water mm-hmm. here, but we have to make sure that our systems will work and get that water to the house. Right. And that is really, really important. Yeah. Things stop functioning quick on all levels. <laughs> they do. From our own need for water to yeah. cooking to laundry. Uh, the animals is another one, making sure that you have adequate water and the ability to get that water to the animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've spent a lot of years, um, you know, draining hoses, having a system of being able to hook up hoses, water things, uh, water the animals, drain them so they don't ice up and are full of water. We're very thankful this year to have gotten water to the barn with yeah. freeze-proof bibs. Yeah, That's, uh, you know, a, a great That's strategy, a but make sure you're us. thinking yeah. about uh, how you're going to keep your water, your sorry, your animals in water as well. Yeah, well, and just an everyday practicality of winter preparedness is if you're in a place where your outdoor waters are going to ice over, it you can certainly go out and break them up every day, depending on the, mm-hmm. the temperature. But sometimes those water tank heaters are very handy. So if you can get those in place, 
have yep. some sort of um, heated structure there that will help to keep you from having to go out and chop holes in your water, which we have done plenty of. Plenty of. And keep um, a backup and an axe handy in case the power goes out. Just in goes case out. that goes out. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they have to have water. You cannot yeah. leave your animals to lick ice or to eat snow. They've got to have water. Another thing you can do is have a small generator. We have several small generators, and we'll get into power in a minute. And but for for instead of having to break up ice, if you can have a small generator that will run in your barn for a little bit, that's another strategy. You could run some de-icers with that, like with once with a day that, or like something. once a day, yeah, or, or yeah, for a few hours in the evening or in the morning, yeah. yeah so um, be creative. There, everybody's situation is different, and what's important is to think through these things in your situation and what will help you solve your problems. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay, so we get through water, and really we want to hit heat source there. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that, that is, um, some of you may not experience that, experience that, but really even getting pretty south in our country, in a lot of places, it still gets pretty cool, mm-hmm. and you need to be thinking about heat both for yourself and for cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So you want your everyday heat, and we always look to have a good backup. Just yes. in whatever we're doing, whether if it's a you know coming off of a propane tank, get the biggest propane tank you can and make sure that yep. thing is full when you go into winter. If you're working on firewood, you often try to get us an entire year ahead on firewood. I try, yeah, I try to have, have two years worth of firewood. We're not there yet moving into this place right. last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting a little bit ahead this winter getting it in. And by yeah. the time we go into next winter, the plan is to have two years. Two full years. Two years bucked up and ready, yeah. and hopefully with logs in the background. Yeah. Um, but uh, definitely filling up your firewood, whatever your fuel sources are. Mm-hmm. If um, you're on municipal type sources and then you have backups, you want to make sure that you have your stocked up on whatever those backups are. Yeah. yeah. And um, you really want backup heat. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just be relying on electricity or propane. Yeah. Um, it's it's great in a, in a preparing situation to have a diversity of lines of of resources Mm -hmm. and so two to three is great Mm -hmm. and so a wood source is another level to go i mean we take that for granted but a lot of people don't yeah don't have that but really encourage you to install a um, some sort of wood burning stove and especially wood burning cook stove yeah and i really want to emphasize i guess that this is not just for preppers or for preparing for some massive disaster this is just being prepared for life <laughs> because things happen that we don't expect, mm-hmm. right? Storms Absolutely. are going to come in and take out the power. Things are, you're going to have a cold snap and a pipe is going to freeze. Something's going to happen that throws you, even if it's your own personal medical emergency. If you're in the middle of winter, those things take a very different spin. And they always happen they at always, a bad time. They never happen when you're sitting around well, rested. And, an emergency and, tends to breed emergency. <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, once the power goes out, that's the yep. time you're going to have that one emergency, you know, medical thing of the whole year. Yeah. And it just, it kind of happens that way. And so if you can be prepared to just keep on and not need outside backup assistance in the event of an emergency like that, the, the better you're going to fare through everything, the more it's just going to kind of work. Absolutely. Um, so it's just kind of a standard of living when you're preparing for yourself. So Yep. Yeah. You got so it. So you're talking about the, the heat. The other one that we really work on is, is food. It, well, and that's, food the, that's the next one in line. Yeah. You're working through your shelter, your water, yeah. your heat. Next is to secure your food. Yep. And we want to make that as easy as possible. Obviously, in a homesteading lifestyle, 
we're gardening, we're raising animals, so fall is the time to do that. But even if you're not doing those things, uh, it is good to be as stocked up as possible. Mm -hmm. It's also a great entry into the homesteading lifestyle and the homesteading mentality is even if you're not raising all of your own, learning how to buy in bulk and stock up and doing that for winters is a great place to start. Oh, it really is. And, you know, even if you're not facing massive winter storms, it's a good thing to always have your your food, just a store of food on hand. And so for us, of course, we have the the preserved garden. We have the meat that we've butchered. We have those things on hand as we go into winter, just by nature of the season it is. We've Mm. just come out of gardening season. But we also try to really stock up on the things that we buy in from the store regularly. The wheat, you know, a little sugar, some rice, some oats, different things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, A lot of them are grain items. We try to make sure we bring those in. We bring them in in enough bulk that it decreases our shopping the rest of the year, too, which is nice. Because it ends up saving us a lot of time throughout the year by just having things brought in. Along with a lot of money, the economics of buying in bulk, often you can buy for a better price. And you're spending less time actually driving to and from. And so this is just part of the skill set and part of the mentality Mm -hmm. of living this lifestyle, whether you're on a full working homestead or you're just learning to be prepared and thinking about uh, this type of lifestyle in an urban environment. All of these things are really good about food for both for going into winter. Just going into winter is the great time. That's kind of the time that we do that. Yeah. That we, we, you know. We beef up our stores and have them ready, not just for winter, but for getting through the whole year. Just for life, yeah. (laughs) And and I think I'd add to that is, you know, around food is other supplies. Yeah, You know, other non-food supplies Mm -hmm. um, that you're going to have to go out and get. And I I know we all have Amazon these days and people can deliver to your door and and that's great. UPS comes no matter what the weather is. (laughs) So they say there's going to come a day. There's not always. There's going to come a day. And so having a lot of your other supplies, your toiletries, as it were, um, having those stocked up in a head and Mm -hmm. not just being on that on demand, I'll get it at the grocery store at the end of the week or wait for Amazon to come. Um, But getting ahead with those things is, is another part of that that, Nobody really talks about, yeah. And, but but it's you know when you think about food, you're thinking about shopping. That's that's a good good to be beefing up on all of those. Yeah, very good. Always good. I like to always have um, a couple days worth of meals ready that don't need to be cooked, just in case we're in an emergency. Whether it's a time emergency for us because somebody's running off to an emergency room or something like that, or it's a you know backup power emergency, whatever it is, but convenience foods, you So know, examples of foods that don't need, you said don't need to be cooked don't specifically. Need to be cooked, so don't some, need to be heated. So you some examples, eat, that's grab and go. That's grab what, and go. What, what, you can examples. eat a can of beans cold. It may not be exciting, but you can have a can of beans cold. You can eat, you know, meat, canned meat. Mm-hmm. Those can turn into a chicken salad cold. Mm-hmm. No problem. You know, yeah. you don't have to actually use energy to end up dried foods them. as well. A lot of your dried, dried fruits, foods, things like jerky, veggies, yeah, yeah. things like that. Meats, yep. So it's always good, and you know that's not a major part of our food storage. But I try to have a few days of those set aside just in case we were to need that. Well, and the next level of that is something that you do is the convenience foods, mm-hmm. and that's a that's one step beyond because those are a meal that takes heating. Yeah, but they're they're all cooked and ready to go. And while we tend to think of those as convenience for 
a day where we've worked really hard mm -hmm. or we've had something go and we need a quick meal, that's great. But that's also a great, if you've got an emergency, if you're dealing with something because of winter issues or whatever, having something that you can take out that next level and just heat it up real quick, but still Huge. homemade, still nutrient dense, yes, uh, still real good is great. Yeah. And, and you, you cover that real well in your canning series. And, right. And, yeah. Uh, we really talk about that in the canning class, but having, you know, a beef stew on the shelf, a barbecue mm -hmm. pork on the shelf, something that you can just take, take down, heat up. I mean, technically that could be something you could eat cold too. Although, you know, most of us like warm beef stew, not yeah. cold. <laughs> right. but, um, but have something that's just for a quick meal, but still healthy. And it just sits on your shelf. And so I love those canned because yeah. they're just sitting on your shelf. They're not in the freezer. They're not, you know, they don't need any, any energy in order to store them. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a Absolutely. good one. And um, next is power. And some of you are probably waiting for that thing. And I was going to come a little higher on the list, but um, we want to take care of some of the other basic elements first. Right. If we're hydrated, if we've got good shelter, if we're warm, we've got food, we can do really, really well. Mm -hmm. But we do need and want our power. Right. And so we need to be thinking about our power sources mm -hmm. and how we're going to get through the winter um, and what we're going to do if we have lack of power because of snowstorms, windstorms, floods, whatever it may Ice be. Ice storms. Ice right? storms. Yeah. Again, for us, we're 11 miles up a road, up a, up a very wooded road. Um, it does generally get plowed, but snow can get very deep and very heavy. Trees can come down on it. Sometimes it's not for a day or two that it gets plowed. If Sometimes, the rest of the, yeah. Everybody else needs yeah. it. Yeah, well, and if there was a large problem, it could take quite a while, could, and yeah. we would not be getting out. And so yeah. really important to have uh, backup power sources. And... That's where we want to go with that. So generators, obviously, yeah. backup generators and a way to hook things up to them. It can be as simple as a couple small generators that keep your freezers going, mm -hmm. um, that run some basic appliances for you, like laundry, uh, that can run a few lights. Those There's easier things to do with lights than just relying on that. Mm -hmm. Two as advanced as an inline backup generator. Yeah. Uh, really that handy. runs on a fuel source. I know if you're in the city, that can be very difficult. I tried to do that for my mom once in Carlsbad. I wanted to get her house set up on an inline um, generator that has a separate fuel source. And the codes oh, okay. just didn't leave any room to do didn't it. Like so in that okay. case, you need portable. You probably want quiet. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and you want portable and a strategy to run cords and run the centrals that you need in your house. And again, that's going to be diff different yeah. for everybody. Right. And um, so that's part of it. What else What else do you think of? Uh, well, I think along with this, and I don't know if this really goes with the power, but it's thinking of lighting and well, having backup lighting. Right. And that. So, so that so. goes into battery backup power. Yeah. And um, a lot of people think for light and, and kind of talking about homesteading, and we've dealt with this a lot with having candles and oil lanterns, and we have those, and those are great yeah, to have. They're good to have on hand. They don't need to be your first backup go-to, though. They, they do have their problems yeah. and their, their uh, safety issues. And we have such good quality batteries and such good LED lighting now mm -hmm. that we can have a good store of batteries. Yeah, rechargeable. Uh, rechargeable, so those can then be charged on the generator or uh, by solar. Mm -hmm. And you can power a lot of lights from little lights to take around the house to headlamps, to flashlights. Mm -hmm. And so that's an essential within the power that's, that's dealing with that light yeah. uh, light issue. So there's there's no reason we really have to go without good quality light yeah. 
um, at yeah, all, really. absolutely. You know? And you really and, want it in the winter in those dark days. You want to be able to have some light. Yeah, so, you really yeah. do. And you also want to be thinking about that with whatever you have to do out in your barns with your animals. Yeah. And, you know. You need to be able to see. <laughs> you know, yeah, you need to be able to see. Um, you know, do you need to be able to melt ice if it gets really bad? Mm-hmm. What are your issues there that you've got to deal with and making sure that those places have power? Same with the pump house. Mm-hmm. We talked about that with water, right. making sure making sure you have a way to get power to those essentials. Water is essential, so you want to keep it flowing one way or the other. Right. Good. Yeah. Yeah, real good. Okay, so we're hitting the biggies. Yeah. Um, but there's still a couple more here that are that are pretty essential. And the next one would be basic medical supplies. Okay. Yeah. And making sure that you're stocked up on that. And that's something that really should always be stocked up in your house. Um, but you know, this is just a great time of year to take a look at that and, uh, go over what you have for your first aid kit, what you need, what you need to get, you know, usually, honestly, for us, it's the stuff that we just fly through are the little band-aids and the medical tape and things like that. Mm -hmm. So you want to have those basics on hand, but of course you always want to be building your larger first aid kit too. Well, and wound treatment. I mean, we have two, we we deal with most things naturally where Mm -hmm. we can. And so you have two things that you use for wound treatment, Mm -hmm. the salve. Yeah, we have our salve. And and the people's paste, you call it. Right. Both of those are our go-to that can handle, you know, a fairly good level of of wounds and injuries. Yeah. And um, so though something like that's great to have. Otherwise, your, your regular neosporin or or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't we you don't tend to keep that on hand very much. Well, we don't because you have a, a good natural source. Yeah. But whatever, whatever it is, you want to make sure that you're well stocked up on all of that, along with skill to use those things. Yeah. Good. Okay. Great. All righty. And um, one of the last main ones on our list is uh, communication, the ability to communicate. And this is uh, really relevant for us. A lot of folks today, you've got a cell phone, and you think, well, it doesn't matter if power goes out, (laughs) phone goes down, I've got a cell phone, I'm going to have service. And that may be true, especially in an urban environment. Probably a lot of those services have their own backup generators. Probably. Hopefully so, but that is a probably. Yeah. And if you live out further like we do, where we have had our phone lines go down for an extended amount of time. (laughs) We have. And uh, we have satellite internet, which does have weather-related problems, even when we're not having problems. Matter of fact, another part of the country. Sometimes it's worse when other parts of the country are having problems. So when you've got an 11-mile road into the woods with um, the power for the phone to go out, no cell service where we're at. We just happen to be in a spot that we just can't get it. Mm -hmm. And uh, satellite, it becomes very important to think of other communication devices, which is primarily radio. And having, um, you know, radios that can work and then even, you know, hand crank radios. Uh, if you have, hopefully you've got enough power supply and everything else to run a radio, but having a hand crank radio is a great As backup. a weather radio. As so a weather radio and, and yeah. having a little bit of diversity there. And no matter where you're at, some level of that is really, really important and good. Right. Good. Yeah. That's good. Well, so that hits that hits my list. I think we've covered the basics. This is certainly not a prepping, exo- you know, exhaustive prepping video. Right. But if you take these general topics of shelter, water, heat, food, power, medical supplies, and communications, and you figure out what you need, you can be very, very prepared going into winter and very confident that you're going to be able to deal with most of what 
comes at you. Good. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.